What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Verse Church podcast. This is a message from our Sunday morning service recorded live in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Enjoy. Paul stops here and he has a bit of an ADD moment, which is pretty funny. We get to see a little bit of Paul's character here. As he stops to pray, he gets sidetracked. And uh, if you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 3 with me, and you look at verse 1, we'll see that he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then there's a little dash there in in most Bibles. Um, Some see that there's like a dot, 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 in some translations, uh, or like a double double dash. And uh, what's happening here is Paul is getting sidetracked. He, he's, he's starting to say something, and then he stops and says something different. And then you see, if you're looking in your Bibles, um, verse 14, he, he starts with the same phrase, for this reason. So he goes to say, for this reason, and he goes to pray for him, and then gets sidetracked, and launches into um, our text for today. And then after that, he says, for this reason, and then starts praying for him. So uh, I love that Paul has a little parenthesis here, and it, it shows his character, but it also shows how important it is, because he's about to say something. He's, he's dictating this letter to someone as they're writing it down. And so he, he goes to say, hey, I'm going to pray for these people, write this down, and then he went, wait, but wait, I need to talk to them about this important moment. Um, and in this important truth that we're going to study today. And I've called this message uh, a prayer mysteriously interrupted. And that's exactly what we see here. We see uh, Paul going to pray, and then he interrupts himself, and then he talks about a mystery. Um, we, he's going to use the word mystery many times in this sentence, or in this passage, talking about uh, what God has done for the church. And it's uh, a mystery because it wasn't something that they expected to have happen. Uh, Have you guys ever watched a really good mystery or read a really good mystery? My mom, when we grew up watching mysteries with her, she'd like within the first two minutes be like, they did it. And we'd be like, man, mom, like you... And then the whole thing, she'd, like the last two seconds of the, of the movie or book or whatever, it would turn out that that person was the, the culprit. And they're like, ah, oh. she was always right. It didn't matter. Like even if there were how many twists and turns there were, she could see the tells in the story and, uh, and just be like, no, that was it. And it, and it kind of ruined it knowing who the, who the culprit was the whole time and this mysterious thing. And, and so as we open chapter three, a mini Many Bibles, this section is titled A Mystery Revealed, and, uh, and so that's exactly what Paul's going to do. He's going to reveal this mystery. People have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come, and, and then Jesus comes, and, and then there's a question as to kind of what now? What, what about the Gentiles? What about, is this just for the Jews? Is it for Gentiles? Is it for everyone? How do we reconcile this? And, and this is that mystery that Paul is now going to reveal to the church at Ephesus. Uh, so let's dig in. Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, For this reason 
I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, sure, and then there's a dash, so he's changing the subject here. He says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been now been revealed to the, by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. This grace has given me has been given to me to preach to the Gentiles. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places according to his eternal, eternal purpose that he should accomplish in the Lord Jesus Christ. In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. So Paul is revealing this mystery, and, and it doesn't seem like that big of a mystery to us because we are Gentiles living in a church age where we understand um, how God is relating to us. Um, but... For them, this would have been a major, major wake-up call and something that they would have seen as, as very uh, revolutionary. So, let's go through this. Paul is saying, uh, verse 1, he says, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. So, Paul starts out by reminding the church at Ephesus that he's in jail, which seems like a funny thing to do, but every time Paul goes to pray for this church, he, he reminds them that he's in jail. He reminds them that he's in prison. He's in prison in Rome. Um, and he believed that he was in prison for their sake, that it was God's will that he would be in prison. Um, because as he was in prison, he got to speak to people that he wouldn't have normally got to speak to. He got to speak to Caesar. Eventually, he got to speak uh, to these different churches as he wrote to them. He had time to write to them. He had time to build uh, a relationship with people. And, uh, and so Paul used wherever he was at for God's glory. And then he wants them to know that he was a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so he, wasn't, he didn't want them to feel sorry for him, like he's a prisoner of Rome or he's a prisoner of Caesar. He wanted them to understand that he was right in the will of God and that they should glory, in, glory God for what he was doing through Paul. But during his uh, Roman imprisonment, he was under house arrest. So during the day, he was free to move around his house. He could have visitors. He could have people over. Uh, and this is how he dictated these letters uh, to be sent out and to be, um, you know, uh, brought to these different churches. But every night, he was then chained to a soldier so he couldn't escape before they would take him to Caesar. So he says he's in chains, but then a lot of times we learn, oh, Paul's up and he's walking around and everything. And the, the 
So it's both. He's also in chains, but then he has some freedom around the house with just guards stationed there, which is uh, really cool that, that God allowed him to be meeting people and making these relationships, even though he was in prison. Uh, we see the mystery revealed. What is this mystery? Um, we can see from verse 2 that it's God's plan. He says, Surely you have heard of the administration of God's grace that was given to you for me. So uh, we see that uh, it was, this was a strategy. We know that um, the word administration here is, is talking about uh, an implementation of a strategy. So this was God's plan. It was revealed by God. Uh, in the English, the word mystery is something unexplainable or secret. But in the Greek, the word mystery is something that was uh, closely guarded, basically. Um, so this was a closely guarded, hidden secret that, uh, that was brought to light to human knowledge by God. So it's a revelation that was brought um, through, uh, through God. And this was a revelation that was given to Paul, and, but it was also given to Peter, too. We, last week we talked about Acts 11, 1 through 18, where Peter uh, is on the rooftop and, and God lowers down this uh, blanket of unclean food. And he says, don't call what I have made um, clean, unclean, and then is sent out to the Gentiles. So Peter had this revelation as well, but it seems that Paul, his main ministry was to the Gentiles. Uh, which uh, is, is awesome, and it, he understood that. He understood that his main ministry was going to be to the Gentiles. Uh, we can see that it was not known. Verse 4 says, In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it is to you, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. So, um, in the New Testament, we know that salvation is for the Gentiles. That was prophesied by Jesus, um, that he, he would say, you know, this is for the whole world. Uh, the, the Jews knew that, that they were supposed to be a blessing, and they knew that salvation would come to the whole world through the Messiah, but they were thinking that the whole world would become Jewish and, and would convert to their way of living and then be, receive the Messiah that way. Um, so what Paul is speaking about is, is going to rock the boat quite a bit. And this is written to a, a mostly Gentile audience, but there were Jews within the church at Ephesus as well because how the church started was um, Paul went straight to the synagogue and, and there were some Jews that that met Jesus there and, and joined this church. But, so, what we're going to see here is we're going to see something that uh, most of the generations before him couldn't even have conceived of this idea. They, that it was, like, inconceivable to them that, that Jews and Gentiles would be able to be part of the same body of Christ or part of the same body. They were on an equal playing field. And, and so that's what Paul's saying here. So for us, it's not that uh, wild or crazy of an idea, but at this time in the early church, this would have been uh, highly controversial. Um, this mystery is unity of the Jews and Gentiles. Verse 6 is, gets, is you can underline that verse as the kind of the main verse within this section. It explains what this mystery actually is, where it says, 
This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together with one body, and shares together in the promise of Jesus Christ. This, would, this was a crazy concept to the Jews. And this would have been a crazy concept to Paul. And this would have been a crazy concept to Peter. It's why Peter had to be told multiple times, hey, Peter, get up and eat. And Peter was like, no, those are unclean. That, that's unclean. I can't have anything to do with that. And then God was like, Peter, get up and eat. Uh, and, and so this would have been something that, that they would have felt like to make the Gentiles equal with Jews, that they would have been uh, betraying God in that way. So I love that Paul says, look, you guys are heirs together with Israel, members together with one body. Um, and so that's why he calls it a, such a mystery. It's something that, um, that is revealed that, that couldn't have been discovered otherwise except by a revelation of God. And uh, another translation says that they are full partakers of God's promise. I love that because all the promises he's detailed now are like, okay, these were all for the Jews before Jesus. Now, now that Jesus is here, you can come straight to Jesus and, and the, all these promises can be appropriated uh, to you through Christ. Um, and this could only have happened through the gospel, uh, where, where all men are equals, all men are sinners, all, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so it puts everyone on a level playing field. Uh, and, but through the gospel, grace and mercy have been given, um, working through God's power. And, and that's the only way that they could be equals. Uh, because the Jews were God's chosen people, are God's chosen people, but through Jesus, um, through his grace and mercy, uh, we are all on an even playing field. We're all sinners. We're all broken. We're all dead before we brought to life through Christ. Um, as we talked about, this was, this was highly controversial. Um, and, and why this was controversial is because uh, the Jews looked down on the Gentiles for not being Jewish. Um, we know when Jesus showed up that... Um, there was this whole religious structure of uh, high priests and all these religious people in the temple and everything. And, and Jesus uh, had harsh words to say about the, the pastors of the day. You know, to the sinners, to the broken people in the streets, the tax collectors and uh, the, the people living immoral lives, he brought loving words, kind words, because they knew they were broken. They knew they needed a savior. And to the religious people, to the religious elite and the, uh, the pastors of that day, he, he called them snakes and a brood of vipers because uh, they thought, we're all good. We're, we're, we're happy with our religion. God chose us. Um, we are special. Uh, and, and so we don't need a savior. Uh, we are, as Christians, special people. We're high priests. We're, we're we are blessed by God, but it's not anything that we did. We, we look at Christ and we say, oh man, we're so blessed. Um, they were looking at themselves, what they did and, and how they acted and the things they said, and they, that's what they were having their pride in. So um, unfortunately, they, they took that prideful idea of that they were in control, that they were set apart to follow him because it was something within themselves, and, and they started having pride in being Jewish, just in their heritage, and that they thought God only cared about them. So, um, so this new revealed mystery made it so that both Jews and Gentiles were on equal playing field in Christ, uh, which 
was extremely controversial to them because they had so much pride built up in their heritage and their uh, their bloodlines. And man, they used to they would say, "Well, we can trace our lineage back to Abraham." You know, like like it was Abraham that was such uh, an amazing man that uh, God couldn't help but bless him. Uh, but we know that it's. It was only through Abraham's faith that he was made righteous. Uh, it was only through his faith that faith that Jesus would come, um, that he was made whole. And so, um, God had different plans. And uh, and another another interesting point and explanation or, or uh, example of God's plan here uh, is this: the fact that uh, he sent Paul to the Gentiles, which is really uh, interesting if you think about it, because Peter would have been a better choice in man's eyes. Peter would have been a better choice to go preach to the Gentiles because he was kind of rough. He was from Galilee. He, uh, he, he wasn't educated. He had walked with Jesus a lot, but he had made a lot of mistakes. And uh, he had, in front of the Jewish leaders, had denied Jesus, you know, right in the midst of his, one of his worst days. Um, and his worst uh, examples of ministry was right in Jerusalem, in, in front of all the religious elite. So it would have been made sense to say, all right, Peter, you go off to the Gentiles, you travel around Ephesus and uh, Thessalonica and Rome and all these different places. You plant churches, you've, you've had a hard go of it here in, in Jerusalem. Um, you get out of here and you go on a missionary journey, right? And then Paul, Paul was like, the, the Jew of all Jews, the Pharisee of Pharisees. Uh, he calls himself and a persecutor of the church. So he had all the credentials to minister straight to the Jews in Jerusalem. He, he had, you know, he knew the phone numbers of all the higher-ups. He, he, he talks about how he was, um, you know, raised up by Gamaliel, which where they would have been like, whoa, Gamaliel, he's, a, he's the man. You know, uh, that would have impressed people. But, but God chose to send him to the Gentiles. You know, this, this man who had spent all his years trying not to touch Gentiles, trying not to come in contact with John, Gentiles, is now being sent to minister to them. And, and I love God's plans and his, his upside-down way he does things. Because man's eyes, if, if that's how it had gone, if, if that's how God had chosen to do it, we would have said, that makes sense, you know? Peter, he's a little rough. He's going to go minister to the Gentiles. Paul, killer resume. Uh, just a, an amazing theologian within the Jewish community. Um, that would have made sense. And, and in that case, they would have gotten the glory. But in this case, with Paul going and falling in love with all these Gentile towns and, and ministering to them and, and being the one to bring this message that, hey, look, Jews and Gentiles are on the equal playing field. He, wouldn't, he would have had a hard time wrapping his head around that and, and would have probably had to spend some time checking his own heart because he had spent so long understanding that we're better, Jews are better. We, the way we process things is better than everyone else. And, um, and, and in that, only God gets the glory because it doesn't make any sense to humans. And, and honestly, Paul probably would have had some times where he wasn't that good at it. And Peter probably would have had some times when he was trying to go to the religious elite and trying to minister in Jerusalem and like this hub of, of Jewish religion where people thought he was kind of kooky. Like, man, that guy, he can barely speak. We 
we know since he was from Galilee and they could pinpoint his accent really quickly, they're like, oh, you're, you must be from Galilee. He kind of sounded like he was from the sticks. He didn't sound well-educated. Um, but, but only in that case, in both those cases, only God gets the glory. And I, I, that example gives me hope and it gives me, uh, it makes me chuckle because of God's sense of humor. And uh, it, it gives me uh, inspiration to, to continue on, to, to keep serving him no matter how um, he calls me to do that. Whether it's, um, you know, in a soup kitchen, at, you know, at real, at, um, you know, on the beach, or wherever it is, even if it seems silly to me, um, to just continue on in, in service to him. And he gets the glory for what he does. Uh, what was the purpose of this wonderful mystery? Verse 10 tells us, that his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this whole purpose is that, um, that God's wisdom would be shared with people, that it would be furthered, it'd be made known to rulers and authorities, even in heavenly places, not just on the earth, but to, to the angels, to, to these um, principalities, some translations say, uh, all in heavenly realms would be made known. Manifold isn't really a word we use, um, but manifold, uh, it's like infinite or, or glorious wisdom that can be translated that way. And so God does this not so he gets the glory, or not so he gets, um, he does it so he gets the glory, but not because he needs the glory. He does it for the glory of his creatures so that they can understand um, their creator. And, and that's awesome because God doesn't need us to worship him, um, but our response to understanding our creator is worship. It should be worship. Um, so he does this so that... Um, this intricate, complex, beautiful uh, wisdom of God will, will be understood by his creation. How do we access this mystery? Uh, verse 12 says, In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. There's another verse to underline for sure. Um, we can come through Christ and have freedom and confidence uh, as we approach God, which this was another thing that would have been just insane to the local church um, there, especially the local Jewish church, because uh, of what Jesus did on the cross, we can approach God and go straight to him uh, with, with our problems, with our fears, with our hopes, and, uh, and he gives us strength. So this is all based on faith, uh, and this would have been something that was radically different than what the Jews believed as well, because they believed that through the sacrifices, through works, through what um, they brought to the table, that they were able to access God. And what, what Paul says here is that it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has everything to do with faith in Christ. And this word boldness here, it's uh, the same word, like the, the root of it, the Greek word would be the same as freedom of speech that we would use today. And, and so, as an interesting side note, as we come to God with boldness, it's the idea of, of being able to say anything, being able to bring anything to him, bring anything to his feet. 
and and that's how we access Him is through Christ, but we don't have to be timid about it. We can have confidence and we can have free speech with Him, which I don't know that we use that much. I, I feel like a lot of times we try and we try and edit our prayers. If we know anything from David's writings, from, from the Psalms, we can bring anything to him with, with a free speech, and he can handle it, and he will give us strength in those times. And as we're able to open up and be like, wow, Lord, um, this is really awesome, or this is really hard, um, then as we're honest with him, then he can offer strength and encouragement in those situations. If we're going to God and saying, Oh, Lord, this is really tough, but I got it. I'll take care of it. I'm, I'm going to change things, and I'm going to do this, and, it's, and you know, it's going to be based on what I do, and I'll just work really hard. Then it's all based on, on us, and, and then we can't access his strength in that matter. But if we come to him and say, I'm hurting, and I know I can't do anything, but please wash me with the blood of Jesus and heal this situation, then when it's changed, it's not like, well, I made this change, and I got up early, and I ate this thing, and I didn't eat this thing, and then now I've worked out, and I'm really strong. It's like, no, it's God gets all the glory. Uh, and so uh, that verse has spoken to me a whole lot this week uh, about accessing the Lord with confidence and freedom. Let's apply this to our lives a little bit. Uh, we can, through Christ. We can learn from what Paul is talking about here, and we can see some ways that Paul views himself and some ways that Paul uh, thinks about his ministry that I think would be awesome to glean from. Uh, We can see that we are blessed and least. Paul's Christian self-image here is really important to look at. He talks about how he's been in prison, and he talks about how he says, to me, who, I, who am the least of all the saints, which is crazy because Paul was a, a boss Christian. He was like one of the leaders of the church. Uh, but when he looked at his life, he said, no, I'm, the, I'm the least of the saints. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm no man. Um, and he marveled at the grace given to him um, by which he was called to preach the gospel. As, as a matter of application, when we look at our lives, we need to understand that we're blessed, for sure. We need to understand our position in Christ. We need to understand our possession in Christ. We need to understand all of what verse uh, chapters 1 and 2 really wanted to impart to us, all of the things Paul wanted to impart to us. Um, but we also need to understand, as Paul looked at his Christian self-image, uh, that we're least. Uh, that we that Jesus does everything through us, and th- and there's some tension there because as we understand, like, oh man, I'm blessed, I'm called, I'm equipped, I'm chosen, oh, like I'm excited, I'm I'm gonna do things. It's easy to start getting prideful, just like the Jews who started being prideful in what God was doing through them, and and we start to think, oh man, I can do this on my own, and as soon as we do something on our own, we fall flat on our face. Uh, that's my experience at least. <laughs> so um, we can understand that we are blessed, but we are also least, uh, as Paul does here. The second thing Paul knows is he knows his calling. So we need to know our calling as well. Uh, Paul knew exactly what God had called him to do and say, as well as who he was supposed to say it to. Verse 8 says, 
although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me, and here's his calling, to preach to the Gentiles the boldness, bold, sorry, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So Paul was had a very clear mission statement here. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Um, what has God called you to do? This is a just a personal question. Uh, Thing that we should be asking ourselves. Uh, it's, a, it's between us and the Lord. But we should know what God has called us to do. And some things that are really easy uh, to figure out what he's called you to do is to look at what's in your hands. Look at what you have in your life. Look at what you have in your hands. And, and that is what God is calling you to do. So if you're a husband or a wife, God has called you to be a husband to your wife or a wife to your husband. Uh, if, if you have kids, then uh, God has called you to be a parent. And, and there's no, like, I don't know if I'm called to do this. It's like you have a child that God's given you, so you are called to be that parent to that child and, and to do that to the glory of God. If you are a child, then God has called you to honor your parents and to, um, to do your best to glorify God in every situation, whatever comes out of your mouth. Um, if, say, for instance, some crazy example, you have uh, a roll of tape or saran wrap in your hand uh, and a box that you're supposed to put a surfboard in, then that's what God has called you to do, is to put, pack that surfboard, pack that stuff um, to the glory of God. And so a lot of times we can spend time and energy worrying about what God's called us to do. And we can get discouraged. Like, I don't have a mission field. I don't have a ministry. I don't, ah, oh, what has God called me to do? And, and it's real easy to just look at what's in our hands and for sure want to do more for him. Um, it's, it's not a bad thing to say, oh, I, Lord, what else do I do? How much more do I do? What, what else do I have? Do you have for me that I'm supposed to fulfill? Um, but a good place to start is to understand very clearly with your spouse or, or, or just by yourself what God has already called you to do and then to do that to his glory and make sure you get that straight before you start doing others um, because it's real easy to try and chase some calling and, and grasp at some important thing that we're supposed to be doing um, while we neglect what's right in front of us, while we neglect what's in our hands and the people right in front of us that he's called us to love and minister to. So I love that Paul knew his calling, uh, and I think we should as well. Number three, we should keep perspective on our callings. So Paul knew his calling, um, but in verse seven, he, he shows that he understands uh, how he viewed his calling. It says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. So Paul, even though he had this great calling to, to minister the Gentiles and bring them the the boundless love of Christ, the boundless riches of Christ, uh, he still understood that he was a servant, first of all. Um, and that made it so that when he goes to jail 
or when he has to do leather work um, to pay the bills, or, or when he has to, um, you know, be writing people that he wants to be with, or uh, he gets sick, or he gets bitten by a snake, or any, any of the crazy adventures of Paul that we find in Acts. His book reads like a movie or like a some sort of misadventure kind of uh, tale because he just goes from place to place um, in shipwrecks, in snake bites, in torment, in trial, all through it, just loving life and loving Jesus, which is uh, such an such an inspiration to us as he as we look at what Paul had to go through, and then we look at Paul's attitude through it and his message. Uh, they don't seem to match match up and it's all because of what Jesus did for him that he was like man I, I'm nothing and I'm a servant so put me through anything and, I, and I'll have peace because I know I'm sent um, by uh, my master and, and Jesus' example was enough to say that like man if he was a servant we should be servants as well uh, Paul knew that it was by grace he says um, that he was a servant of this gospel um, by the gifts of God's grace. So we understand that as we follow Jesus, as we are in ministry, that it's all through God's grace. It's not just grace that saves us, but it's grace that sustains us. It's great God's grace um, that helps us keep going and have strength to, to fight another day uh, and to move on and uh, you know, ministry is hard, like, no matter what the ministry is, even if it's to your kids, if it's to your family members, if it's to your, um, your mom or your dad, uh, just living to God's glory is tough, because uh, we have our selfish nature to worry about that doesn't want to live to God's glory, our selfish desires want to live to our glory, and then we have an enemy who doesn't want us to live to God's glory. And then we have our own attitudes and, and other people's attitudes, and we have to die to self. And, and dying's not an easy thing to do. Like Making sure that spiritual side of us, that fleshly side of us, has is, is been crucified with Christ, that, that spiritual side, is, it doesn't want to be crucified. It doesn't want to um, be put to death. It wants to rise up, and, and it wants to live. And so as we understand that our lives are not our own, they're Christ's, um, this is not easy stuff. And so we understand that how we do that is by God's grace, and that's the only way we do it. Um, Paul says that it's not only by grace, um, but it's, it's for God. It's for God's work, and then finally it's by God's strength. So he says, um, God's grace given to me through the working of his power. So there's power in, in God's grace. And, uh, and a lot of times, man, we're tired, we're, we're beat down, and we need that power to fill us to do his work um, that he's called us to do. So, so a little bit of recap here. Um, we are blessed and least all at the same time. We should know our calling and what God has for us, and we should be able to state that clearly. And, uh, and I think that will be very helpful for you if you were to take some time this week and pray over that with your wife or uh, with your family and your, or your husband and just, uh, man, say, hey, what is our family's calling uh, what, by looking at what's in our hands? And what has God called me to do personally by looking at what's personally uh, in your life? Uh, and then is there some sort of grander calling that he's put on our life as a family? 
uh, and be able to state that clearly, just like Paul does. So that he's not confused, because when, uh, when Paul goes, okay, uh, it's, it's my job to minister uh, the boundless riches of Christ to the Gentiles, if someone come, else comes along, a Jew or uh, um, you know, a, a rabbi or someone comes along and, and Paul is going to share the message of Jesus with them, but if it's between going you know, um, to the temple to minister in Jerusalem or going to Ephesus, he's going to choose Ephesus because he knows it helps make his decisions clear because he knows what his calling is. He's called to the Jews. Peter can handle the the church in Jerusalem, and, and Paul is given uh, this call to the Gentiles. So it helps us as well as we're going through decisions, as we're going through, uh, you know, how do, we, how do we bring glory to God? How do we reach this community? Understanding our calling and the calling of um, our families and even the calling of our church. Like, what is, what is our church called to do? Where, who are we called to minister to? Everybody, for sure. Um, but but what has God put in our hands or who has God created us to be that we can reach a certain group of people that other people can't? Uh, and that's, that's something that we should uh, be continuing to develop over time. As we close, I just want to get some application for our application uh, by looking at verse 1 again. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles. Uh, I want to dive into this a little bit because I think we can easily just glance over it and, and not realize that why Paul is in prison. Um, the entire reason that Paul is in prison, that he was under arrest and awaiting trial, was because of his missionary efforts on behalf of the Gentiles. So because of his calling, because of what he was called to do, he now finds himself in prison in Rome. And uh, the Bible doesn't tell us how his story is finishes, um, and history is unclear on it, but if there's a very, very good chance, and Christian tradition tells us, that, that he ended up dying for the same calling. Um, Acts 21, verse chapters 21 and 23 uh, tell the story of how Paul ended up in prison. And if you want to go back and read that this week, it's, uh, it's a very uh, interesting story. It, it can make you furious because it doesn't seem like anyone had any good reason. Um, but what happens is uh, Paul was hanging out with Gentiles in Jerusalem and uh, because that's who he was ministering to. He brought some Gentiles with him to Jerusalem. Uh, he was, these were people that he was discipling. And, uh, and he went to the temple. And uh, there was a part of the temple that the Gentiles were allowed in, and then there was part that they weren't allowed in. And Paul left the Gentiles at the part that they were allowed in, and he went into the inner uh, courts of the temple because he was allowed to, because he was a Jew. And since he had been seen with Gentiles earlier, and he had been seen in the temple, uh, the the Jewish elite just assumed that he had brought Gentiles into the inner courts of the temple, um, which, which would have um, been a desecration of the temple. And, and the punishment for that was, was death in their eyes. Um, Paul didn't do that, though. He was just hanging out with Gentiles, working on his, you know, living out his calling, and he was then in the temple as a Jew, worshiping God, 
and speaking to the Jews there. But he didn't break any rules. But um, but they just assumed that he did. And so when he gets a chance to explain himself, he starts to explain these very things that we're talking about here. He try, he starts to explain the mystery of how Jews and Gentiles are um, are equal in Christ and how. Uh, how Christ died for the whole world to be saved, uh, which is funny because you'd think he'd want to start being like, "Hey, I didn't do that. I didn't. I didn't. You know, I didn't bring Gentiles into inner courts of the temple." Instead, he takes the opportunity to further use his calling and to explain this great mystery of how good Christ is um, by by bringing us as joint heirs um, to God. And so they arrested him, and then as they're arresting him, they, they make this plot to kill him. And as they try and live this plot out, as they try and enact this plot, he's raced out of town, um, still in custody, but he, he's brought to the next city in, in Roman prison, in Roman custody, and they don't really know what to do with him because they're like, did you break a law? Did you not break a law? There are all these people that are so upset with you um, that they're willing to take, uh, take your life and, and make this plot to, um, to kill you. And what we see is that part of the Roman custody was almost like protection. It was like, man, Paul, we can't let you back on the streets because what you said about Gentiles being you know, joint heirs with Christ, the one body uh, with the Jews... The, the, they're going to take action. And so what they do is they spend the rest of Paul's life trying to sort out whether he was um, innocent or guilty or what he's either innocent of. Um, and he travels all over the place. And God uses this um, to get him to speak to many, many different Gentile people and tell them about uh, the love of Jesus. And there's a side note in, in one of his letters where Paul actually says, um, you know, pray for the leading men uh, within the courts of Caesar who have come to know Jesus. So we know that, that Paul's ministry was successful there. Like people who were part of this Gentile court of the Roman government uh, were coming to know Jesus through God having him in prison. Um, but I tell you that example to show that Paul was willing to live his calling out. Like, the revelation that God gave him at this moment, uh, where he's sharing it with the church at Ephesus, he was willing to go to jail for that. He was willing to be in chains um, for, to share that revelation with other people. He was willing to apply it directly to his life. And, and so as we look at this application that we're called to, as we hear God speak to us through his word, um, through our daily time with him, uh, how, how far are we willing to go to apply that to our lives? Um, Paul was willing to go so far that he would end up in jail um, and, and, and then even be executed. Well, that's very, very extreme for us, but sometimes we're not even willing to like um, change where we go and the places we uh, are and who we talk to to follow the calling of God. Um, we're not, you know, when God speaks to us and says, don't do that, um, don't change that attitude, uh, don't, don't talk to your kids that way, we're not willing to make those changes even though he's 
it's revelation from God that he's called us to do. So uh, it's not, this isn't to make you feel bad about yourself, because for me, I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, man, all right, I'm going to change, but then we don't actually apply what God said to our lives. We just kind of forget about it and go on. But Paul here is a great example of someone who, who was willing to make sacrifices um, to heed the calling of God's will in his life and to live out the revelation God had given him in this time. So, uh, yeah, ask yourself this morning, how, how far are you willing to go to apply the truths that God has spoken to you to your life? And, uh, and will you take it seriously and, and be willing to make changes in your life that may be uncomfortable? Thanks for tuning in to the Verse Church podcast. We're stoked that you joined us. If you would like more info about Verse Church or would like to give financially to this ministry, hit up www.verse.church.